Hey folks, welcome to the Aspire Natural Health Podcast. My name is Dr. Tim Gersmar. At Aspire Natural Health, we are experts at treating digestive issues, autoimmune disease, and other hard-to-treat cases. Our goal with this podcast is to bring you interesting and informative discussions and topics, whether that's with us or other experts and interesting people. Listen, we want to reach as many people as possible and help as many lives as we can. This podcast is and always will remain free of charge, so we'll bring you the expertise, but we do need your help. There are two simple things that you can do to help us in our efforts to reach as many people as possible. Whether this is your first podcast or one of many, if you found these podcasts helpful, please do two things. The first is share it with any friends or people you know who might find it valuable. Again, it's free. Please drop them a line and let them know about the podcast. The second thing, which is really important, is to please head on over to iTunes and give us preferably a five-star review. Whatever you think we're worth, we're striving here to produce a five-star podcast. And it would really help if you would take a minute to drop us a five-star review. That way, iTunes ranks us highly. Other people can see and hear about us, and we can succeed in spreading the message of how to be informed about your health and how to get some help. So please share this podcast with a friend, head on over to iTunes, and leave us a five-star review. All right? Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hey, folks. It's Dr. Gersmar with Aspire Natural Health. I am excited today to sit down with one of my mentors and one of the teachers uh, from when I went to naturopathic medical school, Dr. Nancy Welliver. Um, Nancy is, uh, again, has been a mentor to me and really uh, emphasizes uh, the use of, of simple, that doesn't mean they're not powerful, but simple natural therapies and going back to the root of natural healing, natural medicine. Um, there's a big tendency nowadays uh, to drive towards you know, the latest science, the, the biggest gizmo or, or widget um, to use really uh, complex therapies because um, I think it fits into our cultural narrative of um, you know, the, the sexier, shinier, uh, more technological something is, the, the better it works. And uh, you know, we know from example in placebo research um, that shots even if they're of sugar water, tend to work better than pills because the whole concept of, um, of shots seems like it's more powerful medicine. I know there was a, um, a story from back in the day. They actually found uh, back when they used to sharpen the needles before, before giving them that um, apparently, I may get the story slightly wrong, but apparently um, there was a patient who was a giant pain in the butt for the staff. And um, I guess they were in a hurry, and so the staff didn't sharpen the needle, meaning it was more dull meaning it hurt more to do the injection, and they actually found um, that the patient got better results when the needle was dull because then the pain was a signal that, oh, this must be very serious, uh, very hardcore medicine, um, whereas, you know, if it's, um, you know, tasteless, odorless, uh, flavorless, uh, doesn't, doesn't feel like it's doing much, then it doesn't, um, it must not be real. It must not be doing a lot. And when we go back to some of the, the simpler uh, therapies, um, I find two, uh, two main pieces that I'm going to ask Nancy to talk to us today about. One is that people won't do them, um, that people are very busy. They don't have time um, to do water therapies or sweating therapies or really other therapies. Um, and the second is that those therapies were great 
um, you know, 100 years ago or 200 years ago, but um, they can't, they're not strong enough to deal with the level of sickness that we're seeing in people nowadays. So in other words, they were good therapies, but they're just not, they're just not strong enough anymore. All right. So with that, uh, thanks, Nancy. Thank you for coming on. Sure, Tim. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. So it's been, uh, we were just chatting. It's been a few years since we uh, right. Three, we last four. connected. Yeah. Yeah. My little ones were a lot little. Well, one, uh, one wasn't even wasn't, here. Yeah. And he wasn't yeah. here at the time. And uh, and one was, <laughs> was a lot smaller back then. So right. Right. Um, what have you been up to the last few years? Uh, the last few years, um, well... A lot of people know me as as kind of the herb teacher, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which I certainly was at Bastyr. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, as you progress through your practice, um, you want to learn more and more. Of course. And for me, the the piece that I really um, remembered, um, well, sort of at the end of my practice in California before I even came up to teach at Bastyr. Mm-hmm. Um, and then through my work at Bastyr, the part, the part that I remembered that I had left behind Mm -hmm. was hydrotherapy. Mm, So really the last, oh, I'd say probably seven, eight years I've been really focusing on hydrotherapy Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. seeing how, how few supplements, how few herbs, how few, um, medicaments, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. I can, uh, get by with with my patients mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, just by using the water therapies nice. and that's really been what I've been kind of studying in my own practice mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I know you have now for a number of years right gone back to the hometown of some of the these hydrotherapies sort of I don't know if I want to say where they originated but where they kind of initially gained some resurgence f- really some, some yeah. fame yeah yeah uh, so I've been to Bad Virshofen which was kind of Kneipp's final home and where he really became famous, Father Sebastian Kneipp, mm-hmm. uh, who is the grandfather of naturopathic medicine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was in Bad Virushofen where he really had um, acknowledged success with, mm-hmm. the, with the water therapies. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been going there since 2011 okay. um, mm-hmm. and bringing groups of students there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very fortunate and really appreciative of the chance that I've gotten through working as an adjunct with Bastyr mm-hmm. on a trip that we take every September mm-hmm. um, with the students mm-hmm. where we do a survey course basically mm-hmm. uh, through Germany and um, go to Bad Virushofen, um as well as two other spa towns mm-hmm. to, to see exactly what's going on mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Um, because spa medicine is very much alive in, in you know every place besides the U.S. really. Well, I was going to say um, for all the, the U.S. people, spa has sort of taken on a, a ugh, completely different just, connotation, right? Yeah, I mean, you go to the Medi spa to get your Botox treatments and it's just horrifying. Right, or, or uh, um, you, you know, skin treatments, right? Right, or, right. Uh, get um, your cellulite taken care of. Right. And really the whole spa culture, especially in Germany and Poland, is, is all about, I mean, it's a lifestyle, mm-hmm, you know, and mm. it's the lifestyle that that formed the five pillars of Kneipp therapy, which mm-hmm. actually became the foundation of naturopathic medicine. Mm-hmm. And for those of you that don't know, Lindlar and Lust, um, the fathers of naturopathic mm-hmm. medicine, mm-hmm. Um, actually went home to Germany to die, mm-hmm. encountered Father Kneipp uh, in Bad Viershofen. And mm-hmm. the place that we stay when we go to visit Germany is mm-hmm. actually where Lindlar and Lust met with Father Kneipp oh, and got their consultations. Oh, uh-huh. Uh, and uh, Father Kneipp um, helped them regain their health and then mm-hmm. uh, told them to go back and, and 
you know, bring this medicine to North America. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And here we all are today. Mm -hmm. Um, The five pillars were, of course, movement, Mm -hmm. um, nutrition, Mm -hmm. movement, nutrition, uh, life balance, Mm -hmm. herbs, and hydrotherapy. (laughs) 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 Always always afraid I'm going to forget one, especially the hydrotherapy. Yeah, there you go. Um, mm -hmm, Yeah. mm -hmm. And uh, so that's really, you know, what naturopaths do at our core, at Mm -hmm. our roots. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is the part of the medicine that, um, that I think... And actually, when I graduated, mm-hmm. um, should form 80% of what you do as a naturopathic physician. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and in terms of herbs, I'm not talking about highly processed um, herbs and capsules that no one ever, that they have no idea exactly what that, that is. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. is, it, is it a root? Is it a seed? Is it a bark? Um, I, I'm talking about interacting with the actual plant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. So looking at more teas, especially Uh, teas, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. using the herbs in foot baths and that sort of Mm. thing. Mm. Encourage your your patients to actually grow their own herbs, Mm. Mm -hmm. uh, which is very easy, even uh, in window boxes in apartment buildings. Right. So that they have access so that you're empowering your patient. Right. Well, it gets to kind of the to me, the concept of community medicine where we're Mm -hmm. taking it, you know, no one is arguing that we need doctors and they have of all stripes and shades and that they have their places, but that a lot of the medicine can come back down into the community level. So much right? of, um, you know, I, and I mostly see chronic disease, mm-hmm, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, it's not that I see, you know, I don't know the worried. Well, right. um, I see, you know, I, I actually, am, and I used to say this when I practice in California too, I specialize in, um, patients who have gone everywhere and done everything and don't know what to do. Right. Um, and that's still the case. Yes. So I s- have Lyme's disease patients. I mm-hmm. have lupus patients. I mm-hmm. have, um, you know, all, all different uh, diagnoses. So right. right, right. And you yourself have a very interesting health story. Is it, I never have asked, Nancy, uh-huh. is that what led you into na- What le- actually led you into naturopathic uh, medicine? What led me into naturopathic medicine? Uh, really, it's that I was came of age um, in the 70s in Sonoma County. <laughs> Which, <laughs> which is where, you know, mm-hmm. the hippies, California hippies really, right. um, Sonoma County and Santa Cruz are kind of where the hippies started. And um, so I was, uh, yeah, very much, um, you know, it was the 70s. Everybody, you know, 17 magazine. Uh, I, I had mm-hmm. acne really badly okay. when I was a kid. Okay. Uh-huh. And um, probably because I was eating a lot of dairy products mm-hmm. and all that kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was trying to figure out how to deal with my acne and, uh, 17 magazine, which was the girls magazine that you were supposed to read, uh, back then. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's still around, but, um, you know, they had this whole thing on treating your acne with herbs. And Mm. so, um, so that's how I started. And then my sister was going to have a midwife for her baby. Mm. Um, the midwife didn't diagnose her, um, preeclampsia. And so my sister was very angry about this mm-hmm. uh, because she ended up in the hospital and, you know, it was kind of uh, nerve-wracking to her. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, when she got out of the hospital, she she gr- put together this box of herbs that the um, midwife had given her and said, here, you take these. Mm. Um, I don't want to ever see them again. Mm. And I mm. happened to be going off to college and I was like, cool, I've got a starter's <laughs> kit for, for herbalism here. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Um, 
And that same midwife had uh, turned me on to John Luce's herb book, which hmm. John Luce is the grandson of um, Benedict Luce. Mm. So mm-hmm. in the 70s, that was kind of the herb book. Hmm. So that's how I really got into herbs. Mm-hmm. Um, started playing with them when I was about 16, 17, 18. Mm-hmm. Um, and then very became very interested in nutrition, um, was kind of a health food nut, started mm. buying my natural f- food products at a local co-op in mm. Santa Rosa at age 17. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and just was one of those health food nuts. <laughs> so that's kind of, you know, yeah, I'm yeah. sort of inclined that way. Right, right, right. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, most people you hear their story, either um, sort of their family brought them up in that vein mm-hmm. or some personal health um, yeah. you know, crisis or something right. and uh, deflected people. Now, yeah. while I was um, very uh, health oriented in terms of my diet and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I did work some jobs where I was exposed to a lot of toxins. Mm. And um, Mm. so, because I had to work my way through college. And um, so I worked uh, as a janitor janitor and got exposed to janitorial um, uh, cleaning products and all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I worked in gas stations and uh, we used to rub the pumps down then uh, with gasoline hmm. so, and I was a house painter hmm. so I was exposed uh, and the junior house painter gets to um, use all the oil based <laughs> uh, paints to paint closets sure sure so um, I was very um, very toxic by the time I hmm. I found naturopathic medicine mm-hmm. and entered naturopathic school mm-hmm. um, I had been working at, at a food co-op uh, immediately prior to that mm-hmm. and um, and heard Joe Pizzorno speak at a conference that my store had sent me to mm. and said, oh, that's what I want to be. I want to be a naturopathic physician. So yeah. I went into naturopathic school. And with the stress combined with the toxins that I had ex- been exposed to mm-hmm. um, and the fact that I had eczema really badly that had been suppressed by um, corticosteroids, mm-hmm. um, I was diagnosed with lupus in 1992, which was the year I graduated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so then my health journey became much more uh, personal. And, uh, sure. Sure. <laughs> so, yeah. um, and at that time, I didn't have a lot of money. I was just starting out as a naturopathic physician. Mm-hmm. And it was, do I buy health insurance or do I buy a juicer? Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, an- I bought a juicer. <laughs> <laughs> and lest, you know, lest mm-hmm. anybody not know, like lupus is kind of one of the top tier autoimmune diseases as far as, you know, risk to life and limb, basically. Mm-hmm. Some of them, um, they all suck. Like, don't get me wrong, but some of them are, are less, <laughs> they do all suck. less severe, less life threatening. Um, you know, lupus has the potential to attack your heart, um, your kidneys, um, some of these major organs that, right. you, you know, people actually really need those things. Yes. So. And, and the pathologist mm-hmm. report said that, you know, he expected it to move into mix, mixed connective tissue disease within mm-hmm. five years and that I would suffer heart and kidney damage. Yeah. Um, I have to say I had the help of a really wonderful naturopathic physician, Dr. Paul Riley. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure. I think Paul Riley might be vi- practicing still down in Tacoma maybe. Mm-hmm. Or, um, but uh, Paul really helped me through my initial diagnosis and um, treatment plans. Nice. nice. And um, I never went on corticosteroids. I never went on any sort of... Um, conventional medication. And mm-hmm. I think that's why I was able to uh, recover so quickly. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. often wonder as I work with my lupus patients, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if so many of the sequelae are due to the suppression of the 
the symptoms and or direct side effects of the medications mm -hmm. that they're on, mm -hmm. especially mm -hmm. these days because they're on the um, you know the high velocity uh, biologic medicines, which yeah. really um, can do a number on on one system. So, um, so I feel very fortunate that I decided not to take any corticosteroids and just to um, work through diet, mm -hmm. uh, lifestyle. And I did take fish oil and mm -hmm. high dose vitamin E, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. pr for probably seven years. Mm. Mm. Um, I went off of all alcohol, mm -hmm. um, because especially red wine was a trigger. Mm. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, and tapioca actually is still a trigger, uh, to bring on okay. symptoms for me. I think okay. it's a true allergen for mm. me. So mm. anyhow, mm. that's my story. No, a very interesting story. And I think, <clears throat> you know, again, going back to one of the, um, main criticisms against, you know, again, these, these simpler, uh, natural therapies of, well, they'll work for minor things, but not for That's major crap. things, right? It's actually the opposite. Okay, okay. <laughs> no, it's great. See, I mean, I, I had 25 years of experience of right. seeing mostly um, chronic illness with people. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, see, that's why it's so yeah. important that we have voices and right, uh, like uh, yourself. Right. Um, you know, it's one thing, and I rail against this all the time, to, to read something in a book mm -hmm. is another thing to, to be actively practicing with that medicine or with that whatever it is and, mm -hmm. and have the actual experience of seeing right. uh, and, uh, these things. And, mm -hmm. and I'm just, I feel so grateful that mm -hmm. I developed lupus mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and that, um, that I uh, was able to really experience, you know, it's, it's uncomfortable yeah. and people yeah. today don't, they're, and doctors today mm -hmm. uh, are afraid of discomfort. Sure. And um, there's some level of discomfort that has to happen mm -hmm. when you're going through the healing process. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. um, and I'm so glad that I was able to go through that mm -hmm. um, and experience pain mm -hmm. and um, mm -hmm. to have a knowledge of what that is and to know that I can work through it and get through it and come out the other side stronger. Mm -hmm. And that's called empowerment. Mm -hmm. And that's what mm -hmm. I'm working towards with all of my patients. Nice. And, uh, and, and because I've been through it myself, mm -hmm. I feel like I have a lot more... Um, confidence in telling them that they can go through it too. Absolutely. I mean, I know, I think one of the blessings that we have too is that so many of our, the therapies we use, we can experience them for ourselves. You mm -hmm. know, like mm -hmm. you mentioned the, mm -hmm. the, the biologic drugs that are often used in autoimmunity, you know, it's not really something you just want to go ahead and uh, get an infusion so you can have an experience of what that medicine <laughs> no, is. No, right? I want to stay as far away from that as I can. <laughs> but, um, or, uh, or, you know, many of the other mm -hmm. medications, um, because of side effects and various other things, are not really something you just want to have an experience of or, mm -hmm. or try, mm -hmm. but so many of the therapies uh, that we use, you can have that experience. You know, you can see that herb, you can brew it up as a tea, you can do so many things with it, you can try so many of these different therapies and mm -hmm. so uh, dietary changes and everything else so that it, when patients, uh, at, when people ask you, you know, what's it like, mm -hmm. you can just, it's not just, well, the textbook says it's like this or that. It's like, right. no, actually... Right. It's hard, you know, like uh, elimination diets. I mean, Oy. you know, any <laughs> practitioner out there, <laughs> if you're prescribing elimination diets, please make sure you've done them yourself, right. you right. know, um, just so you can say, oh, yeah, actually eliminating dairy, whatever, it, you know, here's the good parts and here's the bad parts and here's mm -hmm. what it's like. And so, um, 
you know, being able to engage in that shared connection of the experience with your patients uh, is tremendously yeah, healing. I, yeah, uh, I was talking with a patient who has uh, chronic pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has fibromyalgia is her diagnosis, plus mm-hmm. she's had a, um, what she describes as a, uh, well, it's a complex headache. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And she's experienced it unremittingly for about 10 years now. Oh, um, and she's been on every single narcotic, um, mm-hmm. Botox treatment. Mm-hmm. She's had neck surgery, shoulder surgeries. Um, mm. um, and she was uh, talking with me about her visit with her other physicians because mm-hmm. she sees a slew of them. And, um, sure. and her neuro- the neurologist, when she reported her level of pain, mm-hmm. um, uh, she can read upside down and read her doctor's notes and right right she noted that he said that her pain was mild to moderate mm. and she said I, I don't know how to get across to these people mm-hmm. what the level of pain that I experience on a day-to-day basis is yeah yeah and um, and she and I were ha- then launched into a discussion about you know it would be great that if you're going to deal with patients with pain that you as a doctor of experience pain so right. you know right. what that's all about yeah and um, and it m- made me think of how uh, you know the r- original Siberian shamans, um, in order to be designated a shaman, mm-hmm. um, had to uh, have uh, been struck down by lightning or had some mm-hmm. um, some you know catastrophic um, event happen to them to yeah. their physical body. Yeah. And um, and I almost wish that's why when I used to teach at the teaching clinic at Bastyr, I mm-hmm. used to always wish upon my students chronic disease. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they, right. they thought I was a little odd, which right. I am. Right. But uh, <laughs> but it, I knew from my own experience that it's something that really can help you understand it. Or having a family member as you did, right. um, going through uh, health issues and health challenges. Absolutely. I mean, I think you know, in the best sense. Um, and I know we could probably belabor this point forever, but you know. Illness can be a transformative experience. It's, yes, it will be if you don't suppress it. Right. <laughs> and so and you, you have to face it, too. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we give the example that, you know, people are depressed and, you know, they're given an antidepressant. And then, you know, if everything works right, they're not depressed. Mm-hmm. They're not happy, but they're not depressed anymore. They're suppressed. But, yeah. <laughs> but then, you know, we've, I, I think we've all seen this experience where someone will have been on an antidepressant for a long time. And then they'll decide that they, wanna, they no longer want to be on that antidepressant. So they'll you know, take steps and get off that antidepressant. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly they see, wow, the issue um, that cause that depression is still sitting right there. Yes. So people yes. who've, you know, their, their father died or, or a loved one died and they were so depressed and they didn't feel like they could get through it. And so they went on the antidepressant and, and those feelings were at bay. And then they get off the, you know, sometimes like a decade later, they get off the antidepressant and then all of a sudden there's all that grief just sitting right there yeah. waiting and the, to be addressed. And yeah. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we, instead uh, of shoving antidepressants to people, uh, if instead we had um, compassionate, considerate, loving providers that could sit with that patient and be available for those people when mm-hmm. the, and help them process their grief mm-hmm. at the time mm-hmm. um, so that they can learn to grow from it. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, I've experienced uh, depression a few times in mm-hmm. my life. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I um, do my best to, to see a psychotherapist once to twice uh, a month. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. Because I think everyone needs a place to 
to discharge, yeah. basically, and yeah. that's, that's part of our medicine, mm-hmm. that, um, that discharge is important. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I know that at some, lo- at some points in my depression, my therapist mm-hmm. um, was like, you sure you don't want to just go on an <laughs> antidepressant? Right. And, um, right. you know, and I did consider it because, you know, it, it's a difficult place to be. Absolutely. And yet... I know the trans. I know that there's a purpose to it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I know that, and actually, I just read an article this morning, yesterday, uh, uh, regarding depression, and the uh, it's, it, the headline of this article was something like, "Medical science discovers uh, purpose uh, of depression." Mm. And I'm like, "Duh!" <laughs> I mean, anything that happens to us has a purpose, right. you know, yeah. and. Lately, I've been thinking about the purpose of insomnia. Mm. You know, in, mm-hmm. insomnia is something that's so common, and, yeah. and certainly sometimes it's caused by too many stimulants yeah. and you know, blotty block. Right. But it is also a time when people often reflect on their anxieties, the the yeah. um, dark side. Yeah. And um, and I think it's a really valuable thing for people to do, Mm -hmm. and they don't have time during their waking life to deal with it. I I was going to say exactly. I mean, most of us now in in Mm -hmm. this current life uh, civilization that we live Mm -hmm. in are pretty much, you know, scheduled almost down to the minute Mm -hmm. with very little time, free time or time to, you know, you'll see these, they talk about, you know, one of the best things you can do for your kids is let them be bored once in a while, right? right? Give them some... Uh, unstructured time um, and that boredom it can be right. a stimulus to mm-hmm. be creative or but on the flip side yeah if you don't have enough time you don't have any of that free time during the day it's an interest it really is an interesting thought to think okay maybe you wake up in the middle of the night when everything's quiet all behavior has a purpose yeah. um, you yeah. know I'm lucky that I, I, ha- I live with an educator who's a special ed uh, her specialty is special ed mm-hmm, and um, mm-hmm. And through her, I've learned so much about, um, you know, how how there's a purpose really in in all behavior and mm-hmm. all, mm-hmm. and which dovetails so nicely with my my belief in the healing power of nature and mm-hmm. and the intelligence of, um, you know, of uh, body, mind, spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, if insomnia is happening to someone, there there has to be a purpose to it. And mm-hmm. you know, again, I I recognize stimulants can. You know, I drank. Uh, you know, some um, Earl Grey tea the other day. Mm -hmm. And uh, for some reason, I had talked myself into the belief that, oh, it won't keep me up. Right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And uh, and I could not fall asleep, Mm -hmm. which is how stimulants affect me. Right. If I drink them too late. So I had a little hot chocolate today Uh um, rather than a tea. But right. uh, But the insomnia that wakes me in the middle of the night Mm -hmm. is more of that time where I use to process. Mm. And and lately, since I've been thinking about this and playing with it in my own life, uh, I find that I actually can uh, solve a lot of issues, a lot of problems for myself at that time. And then I can fall back asleep and have a good sound sleep. Right. I mean, I think it's a beautiful reframing as well. Um, Mm -hmm. We tend to look at illness um so you know if someone has insomnia what's wrong with me Mm -hmm. um and how you know how do i fix my problem um preferably the easiest fastest cheapest quickest uh least painless wait yes least pain wait most painless least painful way possible 
But instead, if we were thinking, um, you know, they always talk about if you wake up, the worst thing you can do is keep looking at your clock because then you're going, crap, I got to be at work for four hours, <laughs> right. three and a half hours, two hours. You're you know, not, you're not here and now. Right. Yeah. But instead, if you can, you know, check in with yourself and say, what's self, what's going on? Right. You know? Exactly. And are, are there, am I having anxiety? Am I having, you know, issues about that? Am I thinking about work or thinking mm-hmm. about uh, right. life or something right. like that right right um i wanted to before i forget just because this dovetailed in so nicely so uh, someone i had on the podcast before for anyone who's listening tara grant she was saying uh she uh was married to a military man uh-huh. and uh and was living in germany and at the time was feeling very depressed and just very unhappy and she went to a german doctor and uh-huh. the way she tells the story is she was thinking i'm gonna ask for an antidepressant or or rather i think if i'm remembering right she did ask for an antidepressant she said you know I, i'm i'm just i'm sad at whatever can i have an antidepressant and the doctor said no, and he apparently <laughs> prescribed a two-week uh, spa treatment yes. for her that yes. she was going to go to yes. the spa, uh, get some therapies, uh, take some time off. Uh, right, would be you this know, is get, life balance. Yeah, this get, is that right. that part. Right. right, and she was just so stunned. Uh, by that experience and I know she's been very vocal Uh, I don't want to turn this into a big politics uh, show Mm because this isn't the place for that but I know she's been very vocal that um, you know when people go on um, trashing all the the socialized part and all the medicine and all these other things that you know her experience of of living and working in Europe was um, that you know for her at least overwhelmingly positive and coming back here was was such a shock for her uh, yeah you know yeah, how the, how the medical system worked, how how everything. So right, and mm-hmm. you know, um, everybody says it's too expensive, but uh, I have an example of I had some um, my best friends when I lived in the Napa Valley were mm-hmm. uh, a German family, mm-hmm. and uh, Uma uh, Ani, who who was the grandmother of the family, mm-hmm. um, had hip pain, mm. um, mm-hmm. and um, you know, basically arthritis of the hip. Yeah, and here she would be prescribed various drugs um and maybe scheduled for surgery right for hip replacement Mm -hmm. or whatever Mm -hmm. well she still had her uh her german health insurance so she chose instead to fly over to germany Mm -hmm. and do uh the six weeks of spa therapy Mm -hmm. that her doc prescribed for her Mm -hmm. which initially sounds like oh my god that's so expensive right actually Number one, the prices are so reasonable at this, these spas, mm. and which is wa- another reason why I take people over there mm-hmm. so they can see this. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my goals is to eventually have uh, patients going over there as well. Nice. Um, so maybe in the lo- short term, it was a little pricey. Sure. But when you look at the price of the the pharmaceuticals over time right. and the hip replacement and right. then the, the return for surgical treatments and... Uh, because my experience with surgeries are, if you have one surgery, there's going to be repeat surgeries. Right. I mean, and I, yeah. I, yeah, I think so. In the long term, I think it's actually cheaper. Right. I mean, I think people don't realize, you know, those replacements, hip replacements, knee replacements, only last a certain period of time, right. and so this is obviously they try and wait till you're as old as possible. So hopefully, they only have to do it once, and they don't have to do it again. But if you're younger. Um, or you defy expectations, you may have to end up going back again and getting that right. that joint replaced. Right. I, I spoke with an orthopedic surgeon not too long ago, and he was saying, you know, many of the back surgeries will cost, you know, $100,000 oh, yeah. or more, depending mm-hmm. on what's going on. Um, <clears throat> again, um, you know, a lot of the real prices of things, of course, people just 
have no idea how right. much stuff costs. And then you, know? you look at their quality of life, right. too. And uh, right. certainly when she returned from the spa, her quality of life was good. She had mobility. She had worked with physical therapists in mm-hmm. the in the uh, pools mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, um, ate well. Um, you get a rest there because everything's taken care of for right. you. It's really wonderful. Right, right. And, um, yeah, uh, there was one point, too, that uh, I don't know if it's okay if I backtrack a little sure, bit, but sure. I, I just yeah. want, we were talking about um, pathology and mm-hmm. reframing and, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've really begun, you know, I, I do a lot of thinking um, pretty much uh, most of my brain is, is tied up with thinking about healing and what mm-hmm. healing is and mm-hmm. what, um, you know, and how to really um, transform the, the way people look at, at medicine and mm-hmm. health mm-hmm. Um, so that they are more, accepting of naturopathic medicine Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i really think that part of the problem that has happened over the last 200 years is that we've come up with this concept of pathophysiology Mm -hmm. which is um basically uh, a way of looking at what's wrong and so Mm -hmm. all of medicine is oriented towards what's wrong Mm -hmm. with that individual Mm -hmm. um really if we could look at it flip it around reframe it as what I really believe it it is, which mm-hmm. is responsive physiology. It, um, mm-hmm. You know, our bodies are responding to some insult, to some toxin, to some lack of um, fluid flow, whether it's lymph or blood or extracellular matrix or, or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, and the body is responding in a way that is going to protect that person. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. If, if we look at... at, at what's going on the processes of the body in that way then it's not what's wrong with them but how do we support this how do we support this this process so that this person can heal from this particular um place that they've gotten themselves to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um I, i'm actually writing an essay right now on responsive physiology and mm-hmm. and the reframing of um of western medicine right. around that so right. Um, and, and looking at what healing is, you know, what is the process of healing? And, um, you know, really it's, it's all about, and this is so, sounds so simple, but it really is somewhat simple, mm-hmm. is that if you feed, um, if you provide the nutrition, mm-hmm. and if you take away the waste product, mm-hmm. um, cells will be healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, cities, if you look at a city, Mm -hmm. if you have people nurtured and nourished, and if you take away their garbage, it's a healthy city. Right. Um, If you leave garbage piling up in the streets, Mm -hmm. all hell's going to break loose. And you're going to attract rats and all sorts of uh, microbes and whatnot. Uh, It's the same thing. You can use that analogy for the human body. Mm -hmm. And and so... um, so much of what I work with mm-hmm. and the reason I love hydrotherapy mm-hmm. is because it gets deeply into those tissues to move blood, lymph, and the extracellular matrix mm. so that nutrition can come in mm-hmm. and waste product can flow out. So when we say hydrotherapy, so again, mm-hmm. hydro means water. Therapy would be a therapy. So yep. I mean, the fancy way of saying water therapy, yes, right? Yes, um, yeah. I, th- I think a lot of people listening... Mm-hmm. Really have no idea what that means. I mean, what what what, uh, what is hydrotherapy? Well, right. As you said, it's using water as right. therapy, and right. it starts certainly with the simple intake of water. Okay. Most people are walking around dehydrated. Mm-hmm. Um, we have uh, not only our metabolic toxins from our own body's processing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but we also are exposed to hundreds of different toxins every single day mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. that are ex exogenous toxins. Mm -hmm. And then we do things like we take medicines which um, and or handfuls of supplements which our body can... Um, can respond to in a way that it's a toxin mm -hmm. um, because it's not it's not um, it's not most suitable for our body and there's just so much of it mm -hmm. um, which mm -hmm. it yeah mm -hmm. that's a whole nother soapbox for me to go <laughs> off on but I won't uh, so um, so, so drinking, you so you need water. right mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and the way I, I talk about this is talking about the extracellular matrix. Okay. Uh, the extracellular matrix surrounds all the cells. It connects uh, your little toe with the top of your head. Um, you know, it's one big uh, connective tissue fluid piece. So it would be everything between the cells, the glue that holds yes, everything exactly. together. Yes, exactly. Right? The, the mm -hmm. oceans of the body, as mm -hmm. I call it, mm -hmm. um, because it's supposed to be somewhat fluid. Mm -hmm. um, and the less, the, the, um, if you have less water as part of that fluid, it mm -hmm. becomes more uh, gel-like and mm -hmm. more and more gel-like, mm -hmm. and then pretty much uh, things, nutrients can't move in and out of the cell. Mm -hmm. uh, there's no pathway for detoxification mm -hmm. from, from those tissues, so then the tissue ends up diseased okay. um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because it doesn't have proper oxygen or nutrients, and it's right. swimming in a bunch of um, metabolic toxins. Right. Um, right. So, so drinking water is the number one important thing. Mm -hmm. And usually um, I tell my patients eight to 10 glasses a day minimum. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, um, and if they get to eight, eight or 10 glass, I'm happy. Yeah. Most of them will stick around six or eight, but yeah. in any case, that's, mm -hmm. that's the most basic form. Mm -hmm. um, then uh, the other forms really are baths, mm -hmm. uh, arm baths, foot baths, um, whole body baths. I do immersion baths with um, people as part of my therapies. Mm -hmm. Um, then there are wraps where w you um, actually get a, a thin towel or a sheet uh, wet mm -hmm. um, and wring it out really, mm -hmm. really well. And mm -hmm. then wrap it as tightly as possible around the body. And that's mm. one thing we really learn in the skills tr training that I do. I bring people over every spring mm -hmm. to Bad Vierushofen mm -hmm. um, to really learn how to do these wraps properly because nobody does them properly in the U.S. Interesting. And um, and it's all about skin to to material contact, hmm. uh, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. so uh, and you would be surprised how tight they get those wraps. <laughs> um, Doesn't that cut off circulation though? <laughs> if you're wrapping really tightly, uh, they're they're usually wrapping a large area, okay. so it's it's not it's not like it's um, it, it's not no. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to see it to maybe okay. uh, maybe I can't explain it as well. But um, mm -hmm. so it's not like you're putting rubber bands around okay. ends uh -huh. of things. Uh -huh. um, uh -huh. So um, and the, the wraps actually they're cold wraps. Okay. Um, and they um, basically when I write my hydrotherapy book it'll be called calling the blood mm. um, because what it does is it calls the blood to the area. So okay. initially. Um, uh, the um, the cold water um, will st basically stimulate the return of the blood blood flow to that area. Right, right. And they'll warm they'll warm the towels, and then you take them off. You can change them. You can use this in acute. I've uh, treated head injuries, acute head injuries with uh, co certainly cold compresses mm -hmm. um, is mm -hmm. kind of a form of this, mm -hmm. um, where you change out the cold compress as soon as it heats up. Mm -hmm. um, usually with these wraps for chronic disease, you don't. 
you leave them on for anywhere from 20 to 40 minutes. Mm, mm. So there's the wraps, and then there's the gooses, um, uh, also known as sprays. Okay, uh-huh. and yep. Uh, so a shower is an example of that. That's mm-hmm. a generalized goose, but mm-hmm. you can also do them very specific. Hmm. And th- actually, I think the gooses are some of the um, most useful, uh, least utilized um, hmm. form of therapy here in the U.S. Hmm. And, beca- and it brings, especially if you've got athletes, like uh, if you're trying to increase athletic performance, mm-hmm. if, you're, if you do the... Um, the alternating gooses, the um, hot and cold gooses mm-hmm. to, say, the leg mm-hmm. muscles, mm-hmm. you will improve your um, your uh, the strength of your muscles. Huh. Because really what you're doing is you're doing an exercise for your muscles when you're doing the goosing. Right. And you're bringing in the blood and um, fresh oxygen, fresh nutrients, and taking away the wa- waste products. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really uh, it, these gooses that are, are targeted towards... Um, limbs or area, you know, certain areas. They're mm-hmm. just really, um, they just really are valuable for building up healthy tissue in those areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they're they're, um, yeah, not well utilized here in the U.S. Sure, sure. Um, so gooses, wraps, um, baths are are pretty much compresses are the the different forms that hydrotherapy can take. Right. Um, steams. You can also do steams. Mm. Um, and usually with uh, hydrotherapy, I also use sauna. Mm-hmm. Um, usually I use infrared sauna. Uh, mm-hmm. So once you've mobilized um, the circulation, mobilized toxins, mm-hmm. uh, you want people to sweat them out. So sure. um, so I usually move people from my contrast baths right to the sauna to sweat. Interesting. Interesting. So that's how mm-hmm. I do it at mm-hmm. my, my practice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So the premise, just for everyone out there too, the, so the premise behind all the different hydros is mainly to that where circulation goes, life can exist, right? Yes. So, yes. And um, disease has a hard time existing where there's there's proper nutrient and proper oxygen and which is a nutrient. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And, and that all the waste. metabolic waste products and things are mm-hmm. are properly circulated yeah. out of the body, right. basically. Right. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> well, that is good about that. <laughs> um, and again, so, um, so we would argue then, so one of the arguments is like, okay, mm-hmm. that's all well and good, but it can't treat anything serious. And you're saying, oh, yes, just, it can. Yeah, right. <laughs> especially, especially depression. Uh, you know, I've got mm-hmm. alcoholics, I've got drug addicts, I've mm-hmm. got, which it's great for, for addictions. Mm. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I use it for all my auto, I, autoimmune illnesses, mm-hmm. Lyme disease, fibromyalgia. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, re- there's really, I, I have a hard time thinking of anything that I wouldn't use it for. Yeah. So let me ask you, I mean, I mean mm-hmm. if you're not, if you don't feel qualified to answer this mm-hmm. by all means, but you know, I, I am not an expert in Lyme disease, but mm-hmm. you know, the, the current <laughs> therapy is, you know, many antibiotics yeah. for very long periods of time. Right, and right. so something and very is very pricey, unfortunately. So, yeah. Right. But that, um, something as simple as, uh, baths or sprays or compresses, you know, that's all good, but you're not, you know, this person needs a year and a half of IV antibiotics no, and everything no. to See, get better. The problem is, um, we've gotten into this war mentality of disease, mm. the pathophysiology model. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, I don't know how many of you have read, you know, I, I read all those old books and um, mm-hmm. Beauchamp, 
um, Beauchamp, Beauchamp mm. uh, versus Pasteur. He, oh. uh, Pasteur actually stole all of his right. ideas, um, right, Beauchamp's right. ideas. Right. Anyhow, his underlying theory was really, it was the quality of the tissue. It was, it was the terrain mm-hmm. that um, determined what bugs were called, called to it. Mm-hmm. And, and really, you know, if we look, and all of biology except for medicine looks at life this way, mm-hmm. it's an ecosystem. Mm-hmm. You know, this is an ecosystem. We are, humans are an ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And those bugs are not there necessarily to attack you. Mm-hmm. Those bugs are there because there is a terrain that supports those bugs. Mm-hmm. So if you want to get rid of the bugs, if you don't want Lyme disease to be there, mm-hmm. then improve the quality of the terrain. Mm-hmm. And so, again, bring in nutrients, bring in oxygen, bring in circulation. Get rid of waste products. Mm-hmm. And I, my Lyme disease patient, so I have this one patient who um, ha- had been I- everywhere and done everything. Mm-hmm. She went to a naturopath, a uh, young naturopath who mm-hmm. had been a student of mine and mm-hmm. said, um, I don't want to take all this stuff. I don't want to be on antibiotics. You know, I've lived my life as a natural person for my whole life. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. going on antibiotics for years and years mm-hmm. is not something that appeals to me. Mm -hmm. What else can I do? Mm -hmm. I'm coming to you as a naturopathic physician. Mm -hmm. This was my um, former student Mm -hmm. for for another way. Yeah. And my student said, my ex-student who (laughs) was now a doctor, Mm -hmm. said, I don't know what to do. Mm Mm-hmm. Go see Dr. Wellover. Right. Okay. So then she came to me, and I throw uh-huh. her in, threw her in water. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. um, now I have to say hydrotherapy is not a quick fix. Mm-hmm. I mean, it works fast in acute disease, mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. you can use it as a quick fix in acute illness, mm-hmm. acute disease, lower fever. Um, uh, again, with traumatic injuries, it's great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I almost cut off my finger once and uh, used it to get my finger back nice. uh so um so you can use it i've used it for acute appendicitis all, all that kind of stuff mm. um so you can use it in acute it will have quick results mm-hmm. for chronic illness it's going to take some time yeah you know it's going to take years mm-hmm. you know and mm-hmm. it takes seven if you've got a chronic illness it takes you a good seven to ten years to to replenish your your terrain basically mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. and I know that sounds like a long time, yeah. but, and it's not like you feel bad for six and a half years and then at, uh, you know, six and a half to seven years, suddenly you feel better. Right, right, you, sure. You know, it, it's, it's actually a spiral of healing and um, you'll feel better probably within three weeks to three months. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you'll go in and out of exacerbations mm-hmm. and, um, and eventually those will become further and further apart and um, less and less intense. And then suddenly it, it will have been a year since you've had one. Mm-hmm. So that's healing. That's what healing looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, so uh, I don't know how much time we've got here, but I, I have yeah. this quick little story of yeah, sure. when I realized mm-hmm. uh, the light came on. Mm-hmm. I was... Uh, a clinical supervisor at Bastyr. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my students uh, was in case preview, and she said, I am so disappointed. This patient that we did a um, constitutional on, mm-hmm. you know, two weeks ago, she seemed like she had such a good response finally. Mm-hmm. And this is this constitutional hydrotherapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she got a cold. 
she got a, uh, you know, she got a cold or really bad, you know, mm-hmm. bronchitis or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and I thought we were making such headway. And mm. I was, that's when it dawned on me, oh, we're not teaching our, our students what healing looks like. Right. Because the proper response when you do hydrotherapy, um, when you do any healing therapy, mm-hmm. is that the person has a discharge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, so my patients often will come back to me almost always mm-hmm. that's what i look for mm-hmm. is for them to come back and say after our last visit this happened i had a s- outbreak of uh, skin rash or i had you know a head cold or um you know i had a sudden you know bout of diarrhea or whatever right this is the proper healing response and so that's when it dawned on me we weren't teaching our naturopathic students what healing looks like mm-hmm. And that's why I've spent the last few years um, really trying to provide instruction for our students in what the roots naturopathic medicine is and what healing looks like Mm -hmm. and how to achieve it. Mm -hmm. And um, because it's so important, it's so precious, it's so, um, it it just, you know, um, Amy Hike, who trained with me um, for a while. She was in my office um, Mm -hmm. as a co-physician with me. Um, You know, she was putting people in the water and and everything. And she said, you know, I I see such amazing things happen with our patients that I don't know why anybody would do anything else. Mm -hmm. Why would anybody just hand them their patients a bottle of pills? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because the transformation on all levels, Mm -hmm. on on the emotional level, on the empowerment um, piece, it, it's just so profound. Mm-hmm. And people, and really the goal of the therapy, and I was talking with one of my patients today about this, the goal of the therapy really is for people to become more themselves, mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. integrated in who they are as a person. So right. we're working on so much more than just the physical symptoms. Right. And I think that's, you know, to, to the earlier point that, Illness can be transformative for yep, people. Exactly. It's, um, you can choose. It's what, that's its purpose. Yeah. You can <laughs> instead of looking at it as something that happened to you. Well, I got X, Y, or Z. You can choose to look at it as it's something that happened for you. It, mm-hmm. it was, it, you know, a m- showing where there was imbalance in your life or where there were problems in your life, and that by making taking agency. Um, getting control over the situation in your disease, uh, making the changes in yourself, in your environment, in in your own internal self, um, it it can be a really transformative experience for people. It's so profound and it's so beautiful. And um, as you see, people move move more and more into themselves and find the, really the uh, meaning for their life. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, uh, and that's how you, you know, that's how you break addiction. Right. You know, and right. um, so much of disease these days is addiction to sugar, carbohydrates, you know, uh, work, um, you know, and then you have frank alcohol and drug addiction. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, well, we were we were talking earlier, you know, about. Um, so I recently I had a patient come back from some international travel and the patient was telling me, you know, where I was, um, the the. The quality of life, uh, the amount, uh, uh, sorry, got that reversed. The standard of living, the stuff that these people had, the resources that were available to them were very low. Um, They had 
almost nothing, mm -hmm. but their quality of life, mm -hmm. uh, their happiness, uh, their connection, uh, their you know uh, community was very very high. Right. And then this patient returned back here uh, to back to their jaw, back to quote unquote the real world, right. and they were saying, well, the standard of living here is so much higher than it was there. But this person was actually struggling with the fact that the the quality of life was lower. Yeah. And it really had them questioning, wait a second, is which, what's the right path? Right. Right. Is it just to continue along doing what we're doing and seeing so much, you know, again, I, I think we're on the same page. So much mm -hmm. illness is the mismatches between, uh, you know, who we are as a species and who we are as individuals mm -hmm. and the environment that we have surrounded mm -hmm. ourselves with and and again it's it's not about shame or blame or, mm -hmm. or but it's you know we have we are victims of our own success you know we there wasn't enough food to eat forever and ever and now we're in a weird place where for many of us there's too much food to eat and you know? uh, and in the u.s i have to say such poor quality food right that's the thing you know when we go to when we go to germany on these trips we eat a lot of wheat and pork and you know i don't eat pork in the states at all mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. but um yeah and there's cake you know everybody stops at three <laughs> in germany and eats their cake uh -huh. and um or has their beer and um and you, you know if you did that in the u.s um everything would be such of such poor quality and nasty mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. uh yeah that it, it it's a whole different thing in germany right and we right. come we come back feeling better, even though we ate cake and ice cream yeah. uh, at three o'clock every day for yeah. two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's a pretty common story yeah. is that, you know, people go to where, where food is actually held in high esteem um, and the quality of the food matters and the, and it's more lo locally sourced often too. Yeah. Yeah. And how do I say this right? Sort of, there's more value placed on the preparation of that food. Like mm -hmm. the the cook is not just, uh, you know, like who can we wrangle to get in here and make some right. food, like throw the food in the microwave and get it out on the table. Right. As there's fast a professionalism about it, yeah. And there's like a responsibility. It's it's not just um, the the care that's given to the preparation of the food. Yeah, you know? when we we go to Germany, um, often. Um, the chef or, you know, okay. So we go to a hotel and mm -hmm. there's, uh, you know, the, you know, the hotel cafeteria or the mm -hmm. hotel, mm -hmm. um, yeah, restaurant. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, so think about your best Western hotel and the food that they provide you. Right. Well, it's very different in, in Europe and in Germany. And, um, we actually, the chef often comes out to meet us because mm -hmm. it's unusual to have Americans in this little German town. Mm -hmm. And he has such pride, yes. you know, yes. about his work. Yes. And he wants to make sure that we're enjoying it. Yes. And um, last year when we went, one person ordered, because uh, you have to order eggs to, to, uh, to order, eggs mm -hmm. to order in the morning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And one person ordered poached eggs. Mm -hmm. Well, everybody saw how beautiful her poached egg looked. And then everybody around the table were started ordering poached eggs. <laughs> and the, the chef came out and he yeah. was like, oh, I'm so happy that you all love my eggs so much. Yeah. You know, because he had a lot of pride yes. uh, in, in our enjoyment of his food. Yes, yes. I found, you know, you know one culture that seems to, that, that always seems to impress me with the, the value on craftsmanship is like the mm -hmm. Japanese culture mm -hmm. where you can mm -hmm. see people become masters of what here in the States would be considered like, 
you know, meaningless mm -hmm. drudgery work, but mm -hmm. they, they become masters of, of that thing. And mm -hmm. there's so much pride of, of, um, of mm -hmm. a craft, uh, right. pride of, of um, that um, it just looks very, very different right. Right. for those people and everything. And, you know, the meaning that it provides in their life. Cause, exactly. Uh, you know, so many people, obviously being uh, practicing in Redmond, seeing a lot of people in the computer companies, mm -hmm. um, some of them obviously are, you know, extremely uh, um, happy with their job and feel mm -hmm. very fulfilled, but mm -hmm. many of them, uh, you know, they're pushing paper, yeah. whether it's uh, electronic or physical paper. Right. And it's sort of like, you know, if I disappeared one day, uh, would it matter? Right. 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 And uh, the unfortunate, uh, I think, realization for a lot of people is it's sort of a meaningless job. Right. You know, like right. it, it makes somebody some money, but does it, does it really, is you it get meaningful? to buy more stuff, but right. the, you can't buy meaning. Yeah. 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 And uh, I think a lot of us are, are in a crisis of meaning and, and a lot of times just to bring it back around again, sickness can provide just like insomnia being sick can provide an opportunity f to reevaluate your life and decide if it's, if it's really yeah. working for you. And so often, um, that's what I've seen it's about. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I often will refer my patients to a book, Viktor Frankl's book. Um, oh, Man's Search for Meaning. Man's Search for Meaning. Yeah, beautiful um, book. Yeah, yeah. and um, because, you know, um, m you know, the longer I'm in this business, and again, I've been doing this for 25 years, mm -hmm. mostly seeing chronic disease all that time, mm -hmm. um, it's it's so much about that search for meaning mm -hmm. for people mm -hmm. um yeah and it and you know it doesn't necessarily mean that once you've started to discover your meaning that your illness goes magically away i right. mean we all have challenges um i still have joint pains every time i eat tapio tapioca because mm -hmm. that's my true allergen but mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but i um you know uh and I don't want to say it doesn't matter. It does. It limits me for that time. But again, that, that gives me a chance to sit, sit back and have some reflection time. Yeah. Um, it's part of life. You know, discomfort is part of life. And, mm -hmm. um, and it gives us a chance. It's, it's a time to slow down. It's a time to reflect on, you know, what would I be without my joints, without, you know, being able to move my arms and my wrists. And um, yeah, it, it's, it's really... Such a gift, really, mm. you mm. know. Well, it's a very different way of what the conventional community, how we look at disease, yeah, right? It's so true. So. And, uh, yeah, and I don't use a lot of products, so it doesn't make a lot of people a lot of money. Um, yeah. But it brings a lot of people um, uh, a deeper life, I guess. Yeah. That's how yeah. I want to say it. So we've mm -hmm. got hydrotherapy. And um, yeah. how would we answer, I mean, I think mm -hmm. on some level the complaint well people won't do this or it takes too long to do it you know it's so funny i was uh so i had a weekend away mm -hmm. uh, unplugged mm -hmm. and so i had books with me <laughs> actual books actual books yes, and yes. i i brought with me a copy of john floyer's book uh john floyer was a hydrotherapist mm. um at the turn of the uh, 1700s, mm. late 1600s, early mm. 1700s. Mm. And he was the guy who kind of restarted hydrotherapy in Europe. Mm. And he, he, what he did is he went through Hippocrates' work mm -hmm. um, on hydrotherapy mm -hmm. and, um, and saw what he was doing and, and started using it in his own practice and, and really loved the results. Mm -hmm. So he wrote this book. Okay. And in the book, he said, 
I find that I have the same problem that Hippocrates complains about. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to do these therapies. <laughs> Nobody wants to get into cold water, especially. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, so this is not a new problem. Right. This is not, uh, you know, this is, yeah. And right. that's what the physician's for. Right, right. So some people, uh, some of my patients have referred to me as the dominatrix of the cold plunge. <laughs> because, mm-hmm. you know, um, I will stand there and they'll get in the cold and yeah. go, oh, this is horrible. I'm yeah. like, I know. Yeah. I know. Just, you know. One, two, three, you yeah. know, just get your little tush in there. Okay, now you got your butt. Okay, right. can you slide your, you know. Yeah, and yeah. So um, that's that's my job is yeah. to help them feel as comfortable as they can doing the therapies. Yeah. Um, and also, prov- you know, I always say that if somebody's not, um, not uh, compliant with your therapies, mm-hmm. it's your fault, mm-hmm. not the patient's, mm-hmm. because you haven't figured out a way to make it easy for them. Sure. Um, so... A lot of what I do with my patients is brainstorm. How can we do this? Mm-hmm. You know, and with mm-hmm. the wraps, for example, it works best if you do the wraps with them first in the office, yeah, so that they see what it's supposed to feel like and how you know it's really not that hard. Sure. And um, and in terms of taking the time, yeah, part of the reason that they're in the health predicament that they are is because they're not paying attention to their life balance right and this is a huge issue right now in europe and it's mm-hmm. um might become who knows what's going to happen now yeah. these days but um the political situation the way it is nobody knows anything yeah. um but uh it's a big deal now in europe looking for that work life balance right right and i know you know like in france with their kind of famously shorter work weeks there's right. a push to work more there right. they need to work more right and um yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. they just did a study, I think it was in, um, I don't remember if it was in the Netherlands or Sweden with nurses uh, in a nursing home. And Mm. uh, they had, uh, the whole control group was the rest of the nurses in the country. And then in these few uh, nursing homes, they allowed the nurses to only work six-hour shifts Mm. um, and Mm -hmm. looked at the productivity. And they found that the women who, or the nurses, they were mostly women. Yeah. Uh, who were working the six hours actually had greater productivity while they were on the job mm. um, because they were better rested, had more creativity, um, right. uh, were better able to engage with the um, their clients. Right. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I think we see that just broadly speaking that, um, you know, you can get people to physically be there more hours, mm-hmm. but you're not necessarily getting good quality, uh, quality work right. and quality effort because... And, and you know. the, the cool thing mm-hmm. about what I do mm-hmm. when I have my, my patients in the um, immersion therapies, mm-hmm. the hot tub and cold plunge, mm-hmm. and then followed by the sauna, um, they come to this life balance um, kind of organically. Mm. Because what we do when we, we get them into the tubs is they go into parasympathetic mode. Mm-hmm. They relax. Mm-hmm. They feel what it's like to be relaxed mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. And um, and really, you only heal in uh, parasympathetic sure. mode. Sure. So eventually, they'll start coming back and telling me how they've readjusted their life so that they can take better care of themselves so that they have a better work-life balance. Nice. And they just do it on their own. Nice. Yeah. Um, so it... it happens organically if you work with the hydrotherapy, which nice. is why I love it. Nice. I was going to say, you know, um, to your point, um, 
I stopped worrying about a lot of things when I, I there was some uh, we were trans years and years ago we were translating some old Latin and essentially the old the author from you know over two thousand years ago was essentially saying kids these days they've got no respect yeah. and ever, and you suddenly go. Right. So, yeah. you know, humans are humans. Humans are humans. And that's you know? why I spent a lot of time looking at what how people were treated 2000 years ago because right. we're still humans, right. you know, and they those people had to deal with stuff without the option of surgery or antibiotics. Right. You know, and so they knew some really good healing techniques. Yeah. That's why I spent so much time in the history books. Right. Right. Well, I think you know, again, the negative side of our culture is that we tend to throw away the old. Right. You know, uh, well, it, it's old, therefore it must not be valuable. Mm-hmm. Uh, the new mm-hmm. must be where the real value right. is, right. you know. And I guess you would say that's almost the dark side of the idea of progress is, well, if everything is continually getting better, then there's no need to go back and look at old stuff because necessarily, therefore, it must be worse than right. the newest stuff. And right. we know it's the that biggest folly of humankind. It's just not that concept. Not the case. It is not the case. For sure. Well, uh, let's, you know, move towards wrapping this thing up, Nancy. So is there anything, any other major points that you would like to, uh, you want to share with anyone, whether they be patients or whether other doctors or students might be listening um, to this podcast? Is there, I know you have many, many very strong opinions. One of the things (laughs) I I love dearly about you. Yeah, I don't Um, hold back. Yeah. Um, Um, But mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, the most important thing really Mm -hmm. is... um, that most of us mm-hmm. human beings mm-hmm. go through life feeling that no one ever sees us, mm-hmm. never really knows us. Mm-hmm. Um, we feel very invalid. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so the greatest thing that you can really do for your patient, mm-hmm. um, for any other human being really, is to really see them mm-hmm. and and um, and accept them unconditionally. Yeah. You know, I mean... Um, yeah, unconditional positive regard, I think, is the most important thing to offer your patients. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, and to really take the time to, to hear what they are saying and really see who they are. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, you can tailor your therapies in, um, in that classically naturopathic individualized way, mm-hmm. you know, um, because you understand better where the roots of their illness lie. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's really the heart of our medicine mm-hmm. is really understanding your patient. Yeah. So, well, we know no matter what else is going along too, if you treat a human being like a human being and you, you know, again, so much of illness comes out of, um, you know, feeling alone, feeling abandoned, um, not facing up to what the reality of a person's situation is and all these different right. environmental um, aspects. And, um, and I, I do think it isn't. It is also therapy itself. Just yeah, letting it, people feel listened to, and for to. the practitioner too. Because mm-hmm. when you practice that every mm-hmm. day with mm-hmm. every patient, mm-hmm. um, it becomes a form of meditation. Yeah, and that heals the practitioner as well. So, so it's actually, um, yeah, it's uh, really the way out of this crazy conundrum. Um, yeah, love it. Love is the answer. <laughs> Going back to my old hippie roots. There you go. All right. Well, thank you, Tim. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I will just say, um, just just you know, one of the biggest when I do talk to MDs, you know, one of their biggest complaints is that they're, you know, the system steers them away from being able 
to create yeah. those relationships. I mean, even your dyed in the wool hardcore MD would say, I don't have enough time to sit with people. Oh. I don't have enough time to really understand what's going on. And so, so much of what's being done, the over testing and the, um, you know, throwing different medications at things are simply because, you know, if you only have a few minutes and you can't, you, all you can see is the disease entity that's going on for this person. Yeah. Uh, what other choice do you have? You know? Yeah. And that's why we treat labs now and not people. Right. And so the other thing that I'd say is, you know, stop treating labs. Yeah, you've got to treat We're people. really good at measuring things, right. less good at knowing what that means. Right, right. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, a classic example, a patient uh, I talked to a week or two ago, um, she's taking thyroid medicine and uh -uh. her, <laughs> I think another Sorry. discussion hate, for another time. I hate time, hormones. Right? Um, this person's case, mm -hmm. she was taking uh, thyroid medicine and her MD measured her mm -hmm. thyroid. And mm -hmm. again, a discussion mm -hmm. for another time, yeah. but um, said, oh, no, you're taking too much thyroid medicine and cut down her thyroid medicine. And then all of a sudden she felt so much worse. She was tired. She was cold. She felt horrible. And um, mm -hmm. we said, look, you know, he, this, this doctor is treating the lab. And, and then when she went back, rather, and complained, I feel so much worse since you made mm -hmm. this change. And the doctor said, well, you're fine your lab's right, better, right. you're fine, right? And the, the, the classic case of treating the lab and ignoring the person who's looking them in the face, right? right? And right. so we reversed it and instead increased the, the, this, this patient's right. thyroid medicine. And now they're saying, oh my, my God, my energy came back. I right, feel so much better. I'm functional. Whoever I'm prescribed <laughs> that in the first place got them addicted to hormonal speed because <laughs> that's what thyroid hormone is. Ah, uh, it sounds like a good discussion for another another. People day. always feel better on speed. Mm. <laughs> All right, so um, you uh -huh. know, if people want to check mm -hmm. you out, if they um, are here mm. in the where where are you practicing? Uh, where should what what what, um, what have I, you got going on? Well, so. I, I don't really want to take on any new patients. Okay, fair, fair. <laughs> Then we'll, uh, I want we'll all that. of you to prosper with uh -huh. that. Uh -huh. um, my goal is really to teach more. Yeah. And I have my uh, school, which is called the Community School of Natural Therapeutics. Okay. And our website is communityschoolofnaturaltherapeutics.com. There you go. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I will be offering a um, natural therapeutics, um, I call it, the Suburban Herbalist um, Apprenticeship uh -huh. uh, for 6 to 12 people. Mm -hmm. I'll do it in groups of 6, mm -hmm. um, and that'll start in June. Mm -hmm. um, you can go on my website. I actually don't have that quite posted yet, but okay. it'll be up soon. Um, yep. I also have my trips to Germany that I do every April, mm -hmm. um, which is open to anybody. Okay. It doesn't just have to be a naturopath. Okay. Um, and, um, and I'm... I'm so eager to teach anytime anybody has a group of people that they want me to come and talk mm -hmm. about something mm -hmm. um i'm happy to do it i like yeah. to get paid yeah so <laughs> <laughs> well and it's it's a, you know mm -hmm. i think the solution to many of the world's woes right now are, are, are not going to come from the top down. Mm -hmm. They're going to come from the bottom up. Right. And so from a health perspective, yes, we need all the doctors to be on the right page, but even almost even more so we need the patients, the people themselves to be on, on the right page. And I think just some simple takeaways for people that something as simple as, you know, planting a uh, window box or some pots with some, some different herbs and everything mm -hmm, and growing mm -hmm, them yourself mm -hmm. um, can be 
a tremendous step. Right. Um, you know, using simple water-based therapies mm-hmm. that don't require lots of expensive... No, um, you rubber-made tubs, you, you know, know, those make the best foot... Um, for foot soaks. Yeah. Um, yeah. If anybody who has got diabetes mm-hmm. doing, uh, you know, I had a patient who was going to, was scheduled to have his uh, f- foot amputated. Mm. Um, and we got him doing um, uh, daily um, uh, contrast baths with mm-hmm. two Rubbermaid tubs. Mm-hmm. Um, and he went back for his pre-surgical consult with his, his doc and his mm. doctor said, we don't need to take off your foot. What are you talking about? Lovely. Um, mm-hmm. um, two Rubbermaid tubs and hot water and cold water. There you go. Um, s- save the guy's foot. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And how many diabetic patients do you all see these yeah. days? Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, there's a lot out there. Unfortunately. Yeah. So. so, all right. So if people want to learn more, they want to get into some classes or possibly travel to Germany and see <laughs> a slice of history that's still there. Right. Because huh? the towns are still very active. The spa, yeah. The I mean, there's th- another reason I want, I'm trying to bring people over is because yeah. um, they're starting, uh, uh, they're becoming there was a change in the German law uh-huh. a few years ago, okay. and it's affected the spa towns adversely. So oh, okay. places that have been there for 100 years are starting to shut down. Interesting. And I'm uh-huh. really trying to get people more interested. Also, yeah. all the old hydrotherapists are starting to, you know, get yeah. older. Retire and and yeah, uh, yeah, we're starting to on. lose them. Yeah. So um, I, that's another kind of impetus for, for all of this as yeah. well. Yeah. So, yes, okay. uh, they're there. And I'd love to show you them. Okay. They're, it's great. And the best place is the, um, I'm sorry, you were saying the website. Na- natural. Uh, uh, the community. Community. School, school. of okay. Natural Therapeutics. Because I want to. Yes. Yeah, dot com. I yes. want to create community and Absolutely. it's all the natural therapeutics together. So yeah. Yeah. There's a. Hence the name. There's a, there's a phrase out there. Um, you know, what it was. Community is the best guru or something. The yeah, teacher, that m- teacher comes out of the community. Yeah, so, yeah. And I think um, to all our earlier points about purpose and about meaning and about being listened to and being heard, I think mm-hmm. um, c- having that community that surrounds each person is, is critically important. It really is. And, um, and unfortunately, the pace of modern life and a lot of the situations have driven people that they have no community mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, Facebook is their community. Yeah, which, and you know, can serve a purpose, yeah, yeah, but right. <laughs> you're right. still alone on your couch in your front room. Yes. <laughs> yeah, look, virtual community um, can be great, but I but doesn't completely take the need for real in-person, face-to-face right. community. Right. So, all right, Nancy, well, I wanted to, th- I want to thank you for coming yeah, on. Um, yes. You always um, have, I love people with <laughs> contrarian <laughs> viewpoints, so it's always great. Um and not just, um, again, you know, someone who's read mm-hmm. a book, but someone who's been, you know, practicing and using this medicine, seeing the change. I think so much of what you're saying is just, you know, so many docs grow up without enough experience. And so they don't have trust in their yeah. medicines. Yeah. And that, that was the that was the gift of my own illness. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, you know, check into PubMed frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm get stay up to date with what's go you know what yeah. the research is out there yeah and then i read the old text and and together um experience the old text and the new research together is what um what teaches me yeah so yeah. um yeah yep all right, all right. Cool. thank you nancy Groovy. All thanks right. bye 
All right, folks, that wraps up another episode of the Aspire Natural Health podcast. If you enjoyed it, we hope you've subscribed to us over at iTunes. You can also check us out at our website, www.aspirenaturalhealth.com. That's Aspire as in A-S. P-I-R-E naturalhealth.com. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash aspirenaturalhealth or check out our library of videos over at YouTube. Just go over to YouTube and punch in Aspire Natural Health. You'll find us there. So a couple great more ways you can check out our free educational materials. At Aspire Natural Health, we are experts at treating gut dysfunctions, autoimmune diseases, and other hard-to-treat cases. If you that's you or someone you know, you can always contact us and schedule a free 15-minute consult with myself and find out if we are the right fit and we can help you out with your issues. So simply check us out, check out our website. Again, that's www.aspirenaturalhealth.com or give us a call at 425-202. 7849. You can set up that free 15-minute consult. All right, folks, until we meet again, take care.